The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the Law Offices of Jacob Imrani. Accident or injury, call Jacob Imrani, call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason, along with Sue Kalinske. Great guest today, Paula Newsom, is going to join us from CSI Vegas. Sue, hi. It's uh, it's morning time as we record this. Uh, it's like 9.45 in the morning. I don't do my best work. I have to, like, read the introduction, like, a few times really fast to try to get my words outright and not stumble and all that stuff. So hopefully I'm, I'm good this morning. Well, that was pretty good. Yeah, that's so far so good. So far so good. So, because we're going to talk to Paula from CSI Vegas, I thought today, why don't we talk about the greatest crime dramas, television crime dramas of all time? So, we're each going to do three, and then we got honorable mentions. And uh, what? Do, where? Where are you going to start with this? There have been so many great crime dramas over the years. Okay, so I'm going to start with The Wire, oh, which I think is probably the all-time greatest crime series ever. You know, took place in seedy Baltimore. Yep. Just during this, you know, drug craze time, and you know, if you've ever been to Baltimore, yeah, it's so accurate. Yeah. To yeah. that time. Um. The writing is incredible. The it's casting amazing. was amazing. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't watch it when it first came out. Yeah. So I kind of came late to it. And I start, when I started watching it, I'm like, Michael B. Jordan as like a kid. I know. I know. Um, the first time I ever saw Idris Elba. Yes, me too. As, as Stringer Bell. Dominic West was great. Uh, Wendell Carter was great. Uh, David Simon said in, said in Baltimore, as you said, and what I like about it is the different perspectives. Like you're seeing it through the eyes of the drug dealers. You're seeing it through the eyes of law enforcement. You're seeing it through the eyes of journalists. Uh, it's just a complete all round amazing tour de force. Great series. It is also on my list. Absolutely love the wire. Um, and. You know, not everybody has seen it. You know, I recommend that show all the time. And a lot of people go back and they watch it and absolutely are blown away. It ho- holds up just amazingly well. Uh, so The Wire, absolutely on my list. I have a feeling we may double up on a couple of these. I think so, too. Okay, what do okay. you got next? Homicide, Life on the Street. Now, I don't know this show very well. This was Barry Levinson, right? Yeah, well, Tom Fantana, and I guess Barry, I think Barry Levinson as well. Yeah. Tom, Fanta- Tom Fantana, definitely. This is the show that brought us Munch. Yeah. So this was Richard Belzer's first foray. Um, I mean, he had done acting, you know, prior to this, but this was his first show that really put him on the map as an actor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, amazing cast. Melissa Leo was just incredible. Yafit Koto. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, Billy Baldwin, who was actually really, really great in it. And again, you know, gritty. Um, and it had some levity in it, you yeah. know, you know, Barry Levinson, of course. Yeah. Um, but it, again, just a great, great, well-written show, unbelievable characters. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, great arcs. One of my favorite. Yeah. I, I, I will confess to the fact that I've never saw it. Oh, you would, you would really, really would like I? it. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is why I totally fell in love with Melissa Leo. Just badass. She's um, amazing. She's a great, great actress. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's my number two. That's a good one. All right. Uh, I'll do one. The Sopranos. Oh, of course. Enough said, right? I mean, Enough, Tony yeah. Soprano, the late great James Gandolfini, mob boss, Jersey. It, Michael Imperioli was amazing. Edie Falco, Lorraine Bracco. Stevie Van Zant as Silvio, Tony Sirico, who just passed away as Paulie Walnuts with the wings, mm-hmm. with the silver wings in his hair. Uh, the thing I love about this is when David Chase took the show out and he started pitching it around, people liked the idea. Jersey mob boss, like we like that. And apparently the feedback he got was, but does he have to go to a psychiatrist? And oh, I'm yeah. like, that's the whole gist of the show. That's like the whole thing is that getting inside the head of, of, a, of a guy who's involved in organized crime and finding out that he does have some, some sort of conscious, uh, uh, consciousness about it. And he also is, is trying to figure out, you know, his moral compass within this really strange world. So, uh, the Sopranos, amazing. By the way, do you think they died at the end or do you think they lived at the end? In the diner I, at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think they lived. You know what? That's a minority opinion. I agree with you. I mm-hmm. think they lived. I think it was just another day in the life of Tony Soprano and his family. So, yeah, but a lot of people think somebody came in and just shot up the place and they all died. And one of the other uh, amazing things about the show was the music. Yeah. You know, I mean, the theme song was incredible. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I mean, the Stones, I mean, everybody, Bruce Springsteen, everybody hopped on yeah. to the show. Yeah. A great, great show. I watched it. I watched it for the first time during the pandemic. In fact, we had Michael Imperial on the, on the show. I'd never seen it before. Yeah. Which, which was shocking to me that you didn't watch it when it came out. Now, why didn't you watch it when it came out? You know what? We were living in New York, actually, when it came out in 99. And we didn't have DVR. So <laughs> it was, you had to watch it like at nine o'clock on Sunday nights. And we were getting up at four o'clock in the morning. And so it was just hard to watch a show. And you could record it on VHS, but it was a pain in the ass, but we had no DVR. So that that's the main reason I didn't watch it. Okay. Blame it on the DVR. Exactly. What do you got next? Hill Street Blues. I'm so glad you mentioned this show. It was my honorable mention. Okay. Again, I mean, the characters, um, the quirkiness, um, the setting. I mean, you know, Stephen Bochco was a genius. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was his time, you know, because he also did NYPD Blue, you know. I mean. And just, L.A. Law. And L.A. Law. Yeah. So it was, you know, yeah, again, I mean, just 
to me, it always comes down to the writing. Yeah. And I mean, every show that we've mentioned so far, the writing was, you know, bar none, you know, incredible. Yeah. The, the thing I loved about Hill Street Blues is, uh, first of all, Daniel J. Travanti mm-hmm. uh, was great. I, I love the fact, okay, here's a little wrinkle and I don't remember it super clearly, but, um, it was like season three and somebody had a, a terrible alcohol problem and he finally went to AA. Mm-hmm. And in season three, the J, the, uh, the Daniel J. Travanti uh, character went to that AA meeting and put his hand on his shoulder. And that's the way the episode ended. And I thought they planted this story all along and didn't reveal it until season three. And you go back and you think about it. And every time they were in a bar, he ordered a club soda. So, so it was, it was there all the time, but they waited until season three to reveal that fact. It's just brilliant. Uh, uh, layered character mm-hmm. development. Uh, just uh, amazing. I'm glad you mentioned that one. Okay. All right. So for me, I'm a little bit biased, mm-hmm. but the greatest crime show of all time for me is Breaking Bad. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Brian Cranston's a friend of mine. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, like I say, I'm biased, but I mean, Walter White and Jesse Pinkman, I mean, those are characters that are going to be with everybody forever. I mean, they were just so um, rich. And I, you know, there were a couple of moments in it uh, that I, that I really loved, like the moment where Walter White broke bad, like officially was when Jesse Pinkman's girlfriend was kind of choking up and looked like she was going to die. Mm-hmm. And Walter White was in the room and he chose not to save her. Mm-hmm. And she died. He chose not to save her because she was uh, a fly in the ointment, somebody who he didn't want around. And I remember when Brian, we owned the the theaters at this point, Brian, I said, what are you working on? And he said, well, I'm working on this new show. Uh, it's about a school teacher with cancer who becomes a meth dealer. And I thought to myself, wow, that really feels like a leap to me, but paid off beautifully. And maybe the best final episode yes. in television history. They, they buttoned it up perfectly. Not one bad episode in the entire run of the show. No. I mean, it never disappointed. Yeah, never did. Never did. Always great. Amazing Breaking Bad. Uh, Vince Gilligan, obviously. So uh, did we do all three of yours or do you have we one did. more? We did. All right. Uh, honorable mention. I'm going to go back to, um, I'm going to go old school and I'm going to say Columbo. Yeah, Columbo is one of my honorable mention. Because what an amazing creation of a character. So Peter Falk, I mean, I had been a fan of Peter Falk, you know, all the way back to, you know, Husbands and all the movies he did with Cassavetes. Yes. And this was just, he was, the character was annoying. <laughs> he yeah, was intrusive. Yeah. He was funny. Um, 
and he was great at his job. And it was just a quirky, quirky, you know, it was, it was, it was just such a, a, a unique character that we had never seen before. The and especially that, in crime. One of the things I love about Columbo, and it comes on on TV once in a while and I'll, I'll pick up an episode, but Peter Falk apparently had a terrible, terrible time hitting his mark. <laughs> and so for a lot of the episodes, you see him looking down. That became part of his character is he's kind of looking down. Because he never could quite find his mark. So that, that became, you know, one of his idiosyncrasies, uh, which which was perfect, but it was based on something real. That's Couldn't hysterical. find where he was supposed to stand. All right, a couple more. Just rattle them oh. off. Oh, okay. Anything else? Well, no, I mean, I, I, I said NYPD Blue, but we yeah, already kind of talked um, about I that. I put down X-Files. Oh, okay. Which I love because I love the supernatural. I used to watch a show called Shack Night Stalker in the 70s, mm-hmm. um, which starred Darren McGavin. And the uh, the folks at the X-Files said that was one of their inspirations. Um, I also put Twin Peaks on there, mm-hmm. which was a phenomenon. David Lynch and Laura Palmer. Where's Laura Palmer? And she ended up being in her dad's golf bag. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> I do remember that. And uh, I also put down Better Call Saul, which is, you know, the the prequel to Breaking Bad. And uh, again, Bob Odenkirk and Reyes Seahorn and uh, Giancarlo Esposito and Jonathan Banks. Just an amazing cast um, and an amazing story. All right. All right, so, all right. So, but I just have to tell you something. Yeah. So Tom's dad was a cop in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. Right? So years ago, Tom asked him what was what was the most accurate uh pop show ever yep okay so this was in the 70s and you know what he said what barney miller (laughs) that's awesome he said that was definitely what it was like at the station house that's very funny very funny um all right here we go Our guest today is an actress who has appeared on shows like NYPD Blue, we just mentioned that, Criminal Minds, NCIS, Parenthood, Castle, on and on. She was in the worldwide blockbuster Spider-Man No Way Home. She played the key role of Detective Janice Moss on the critically acclaimed HBO series Barry. And right now, she stars as the head of the Las Vegas Crime Lab on CSI Vegas. Paula Newsom joins us. Hey, Paula, thanks a lot for doing this. Thank you, Steve. Happy to be here. (laughs) So, you know, we're going to definitely talk about CSI Vegas, and we'll talk about uh, the the killer that you're chasing right now, uh, Mm -hmm. which is a great arc, really cool. But I kind of want to start with just when you were a kid, did you know you wanted to be an actor? Was that always your dream? Were you in the high school plays, all that kind of stuff? You know how it started for me, Steve? I was it started for me with Doris Williams in my first grade class. And I'm I'm the youngest of three girls. And Doris Williams, my first grade teacher, sent me home with a note pinned to my shirt. That's what they used to do back in the day. <laughs> and she pinned the note to my shirt and I didn't open it, which was kind of an amazing thing. And it said, send Paula to creative dramatics class. 
And yeah, exactly. She called the parade of dramatics. That was so adorable, <laughs> first of all. And, you know, me and my sisters wanted to be a lawyer, a doctor, uh, a singer, an actress, and all that stuff. And actress stuck. And my parents sent me over to the YMCA, the Avalon Park YMCA in Chicago on 83rd and Avalon. And I went to a improv class. And and it I it just stuck. It just stuck. Wow, improv! Yeah. That that's that's a young age to do improv, huh? It, well, I was more like flinging my arms around. Sue, don't don't let me, don't <laughs> let me don't let me <laughs> think that I was talking and, and you know what do they say? Don't say never say no or whatever. Whatever. Exactly. Uh huh. I was flinging my arms around and being an airplane or something like that. <laughs> so, so what, you know, d- did you have like favorite um, actors? Did you have favorite movies, TV shows? You know, what did you watch as a kid? I, did, I watched, uh, what I watched as a kid was Andy Griffith. What I watched, I watched uh, I Dream of Jeannie. I watched all that stuff when I came home. But what I really fell in love with was musicals. Mm. Musicals. I would play musicals. Those, those were my, those were my lifeblood. Uh, My Fair Lady, Oliver, uh, all of them, all of them. I can't, you know. Yeah. All of them. You mentioned My Fair Lady. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Don't. Oh, my God. You just opened opened up the floodgates. We have an ongoing joke because I played Henry Higgins, and I sometimes do uh, one of the numbers uh, from... From Which one? Lady. What you got? What you got? What you got, Steve? What you got? Come on. Oh, boy. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> uh, here we go. Damn, 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 damn. I've grown accustomed to a face. Mm-hmm. He nearly makes the day begin. Mm-hmm. I've grown accustomed to the tune she whistles night. Mm-hmm. Her smile, mm-hmm. her frowns, her ups, mm-hmm. her downs. Mm-hmm. A second nature, second nature to me now. To me now. Mm-hmm. We, it's a duet. Oh my god, it's a duet. Mm-hmm. That's a first. That's a oh first. my god. Don't encourage him. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah, I love those. I love musicals too. I, I was big. I, I was a. I'm still a big, big uh, Broadway nerd. I I love yeah. what's going on. Do you go? Do you go regularly as well? Try to try to go once a year, and you know, it's one of those times where you jam in five shows in four what days. You, what have you and, seen? What have you seen? Uh, last thing, uh, you know what I saw twice was a show called mm. Come From Away. Mm. I never saw that. It's oh, Paula. It is I know. so good. Amazing. I tried. I tried. But you know what I did? My problem was, is I have a thing. I go every year. I go every year. And I saw, I, I, when I, I thought about seeing that, and it had already gone into replacement cast. And I've got a thing about seeing the original cast. Oh, yeah. I've mm-hmm. got a thing about seeing the original cast. Like, last time I was there, I saw uh, MJ on Broadway. Oh, yeah. That guy's supposed to be great, right? He's amazing. He's close. He's leaving the show on April 2nd. Mm. The original. And he's and Lynn Nottage is a dear, dear friend of mine. So I go, I've seen that three times. I may go see it one more time to see him, see him off. But... uh it's, a, it's an amazing show. I see a lot. So, uh, you, uh, you've done so many guest starring roles, mm-hmm. uh, like a, a crazy list of shows. Mm-hmm. What, what's it like sort of parachuting into a show where there's an established task? What makes you really good at that skill? Mm. I guess, you know, when, 
back in the day, and I and I'm, I say this in back in the day when I used to have to really audition for stuff, and I'm at that point today where I'm so grateful where I don't have to do that. Yeah, which has its own challenge. I'll say that, but when I had to audition, it was for me. Each audition was a performance. Was a performance, so I knew the scenes so well. That it was not a question. I, I wasn't nervous at all. It was like you take an, you inhale and you do it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. the work was already done from the audition. Um, and once people see that you're on your own legs, as it were, then you get called more and more and more and more and more for stuff to be on your own legs in front of other people. You know, because you're uh, super reliable, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can hit the marks. They know they know you're going to be there. Because because at, when you go into as a guest star, you you sometimes you're lucky enough not to know a lot of the stuff that's going on. And I and I say stuff and I mean to say other stuff cuz I don't know if I can cuss here so I'm not going to cuss. <laughs> <laughs> but you're lucky enough not to know what's going on. So I remember the the first guest star that I did that I, uh, where I discovered the ability to do that. And that was Allie McBeal. Mm. And, uh, I was really anchored in and I developed the process of meditating. I brought a book that sent me deep into meditation, uh, during the whole shoot. And that's when I realized the strength of being in your own hula hoop, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Being in your own hula hoop and doing your work because it gets very easy as a young actor to get there and think, my job is to make a bunch of friends. No, it's not. It's not. Your job is between action and cut, period. Hmm. Period. Because it gets very easy to get distracted by all the people and all the faces that you know and trying to make them like you. And that's not, that's not what it's about. My job is between action and cut. And stays grounded and in my own hula hoop enough. And you do whatever you have to do. You read a spiritual book, you meditate, you stretch in your trailer, you know, you do whatever you have to do so that action and cut is easy. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, auditioning, you know, you're so lucky that you don't have to do it anymore. But, yeah. you know, because I, I, you know, I, I was a stand up for a long time. And, you know, for years, you know, I used to audition for things. Mm-hmm. And, it's such a weird dynamic of walking into this sterile room and, you know, some casting agents are uh, warm and open and others, you know, they, they don't, they're not, they don't look at you. Um, they're just, it's, and, it, and it's just so uncomfortable. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like they, they, they do everything possible to make you, um, not, you know, not, not get the job sometimes. Yeah. The hardest thing I found is when it was when the casting director was the only person in there. Mm-hmm. If it was a casting director and the writers and the other people, if it was a performance, a legit and proper performance, then that was really great. But if it was just them and their salad and you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And you hear the other casting director in the other room pitching your role to, to toilet. No, we really want her for this. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I've had that. Right. I can't tell you how many times I've had that. Well, I mean, how many times, you know, did they already cast the person and they just 
or bringing sure. people in just to see yeah. other people because they have to. It's it's how it goes. Yeah, that's how it goes. So I love the show Barry, and and you played Detective Moss, who was. Gene Kuzno's Henry Winkler's girlfriend back in season one. I was one. Kuz Boo. I was Kuz Boo. <laughs> there you That's go. I <laughs> so I grew up watching Henry Winkler as the Fonz. You're too young uh, for Happy Days. I saw. I saw it. I saw it in reruns. But yeah. I, I, yeah. So yeah. so what was Henry Winkler like? He seems like such a nice man. What was he like as a scene partner? He was like a big kid. That's what he's like. He's a big kid. He's a uh, He's playful. He's just, he's, he's, he's gregarious and he really wants to do a good job. Hmm. You know? Um, so it was, it was so weird. You never know. I remember sometimes when you go in and you audition for stuff, cause that, that's, though, Gary was, Gary, Barry was kind of the last time when I started, when I had to audition. Hmm. And, I remember another show that I auditioned for another film did back up. Um, I went in and auditioned for, and months later, months, it was for a film. And my agent was like, you got it. You got it. You got the Halle Berry thing. And I was like, what Halle Berry thing? <laughs> right. You forget about it. You go in mm. and you put it away. You put mm-hmm. it away. You know what I'm talking about, Sue. You mm-hmm. put it away. And this, I knew right away that Henry was going to be there, but the job was to still, no matter what, do the scene, do mm-hmm. the scene the way I would do it. So, so, and because I'm the youngest of three girls, I've got a little bit of a fighter in me, mm-hmm. you know, which is very Janice Mossy. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that, that she's like, you know what? I don't give a bleep who you are. <laughs> don't do that. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, so in a way it made it perfect for Paula and Henry, Janice and Cousineau, you know, so it, it was, it was fabulous. It was irreverent. It was, <laughs> it was, I remember this one moment, I remember this one moment because I'm an actress who trusts her body. When I get into a situation where I'm thinking too much, that's not a good thing. And so it, so if I lean into my body, it's always a good thing, you know? And I just, that's, that's what I did with that. You know, that's I love that I show because yeah. it's got, it's got such an independent film vibe. Like, yeah. like it's a, it's a half hour comedy, but it's really more than that. I mean, Bill Hader is behind the whole, just a genius. Um, but there's really, there's really dark stuff there. I mean, he's a hitman. You, I mean, spoiler alert, don't make it to mm-hmm. season two. Um, it's, it, it's, it really does have that sort of vibe of, as an independent film. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It really does. And I had no idea. First of all, when I, they always tell you that when the stuff is easy to memorize, that means it's really, really good writing. Hmm. That mm-hmm. was the easiest to memorize. I've never had something that was so fun and so easy to memorize. And I remember the first time, you guys, the first time, I think of the first, the first, uh, the table read. We did a table read for every episode in that. And at the first table read, we finished it and everybody's like applauding. Yeah, happy, happy, happy. Walked away and Bill comes up and he goes, hi, you're doing a wonderful job. I, I just want to <laughs> let you know that, uh, 
your character is going to get killed off at the end. And I'm like, <laughs> I said, are there any white people that are going to die before me? Like, yeah, yeah, there are a lot of white people that are dying. Because it always happens that the black person is the first person that dies off. So I was like, not this time. Not this time. Oh, that's so funny. It's so, so funny. I knew the entire time, but I will tell you, it Janice was such a fan favorite. Yeah. That subsequent episodes, subsequent seasons, seasons, like the the third season was about Janice Moss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was about Janice Moss. That she got a daddy and they trying, you know, it was just so it was it was lovely to see her impact. It was lovely to see her impact. And and what was it like working with uh, Bill Hader as a director? It's you know what it's different. It was it was the first time I'd worked with someone who was more of a writer than a director. So finding our way, finding our way, it was finding our way was was like how do we do this? But it it, it ended up being very easy. It ended up being very easy because it was really all in the script. There's not a lot to do when it's all in the script, you know? And when you hire people, I'll tell you the funny, the, uh, a funny story. When I auditioned for it, uh, I'm sitting out in the waiting room and there's, you know, other folks. And I'm like, and I go up I, at this point, I got to a point where I would go into the waiting room and I'll wear earphones because with music in it, because I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want, you know what it's like, right? So, Mm-hmm. And uh, so they call me, and sometimes they have to call me. They're like Paula, Paula, pa- Paula. And I'm like, <laughs> so I take the earphones out, and I'm walking back, and this is for the callback. And uh, the casting people for this were just amazing. Uh, Sharon Bialy, oh my god, mm. the main casting directors. Please forgive me. Dang, dang, dang. I'm gonna look it up online as I said, as I as we talk, but um. And we sit and I walk in. Sharon Bialy, by the way, I think did Breaking Bad. Yes. I mean, this woman is, she is Sherry Thomas and Sherry Bialy. Thank you so much. They are gifted women. They are gifted women. And she did Breaking Bad. I mean, the stuff that she's done, just talented. She cast me the first time in, uh, what was that thing? Uh, Black and White. Mm-hmm. Cast me in uh, what's that one with Don Cheadle? Yeah, I know that. I I can't think of it. That uh, was about the nine nine that Bubba to be. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> that yeah, you that were, I know. That, I know. Welcome to the me, club. Rain over me. <laughs> rain over oh. me. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Me. <laughs> what you know? Anyway, start so good to grab it up. So I'm walking down the hall with uh sherry and i see this really oh somebody's freaking directing there we go i'm walking down the hall with sherry and i see this really tall man and i don't really recognize him and i realize maybe that's is that bill it's just suddenly you know, because you see somebody on television sometimes, you don't realize it's them when you see, you know, it was weird. Right. And he basically says, you know, you do you, boo. And I'm like, yeah, what are you doing out here? That's what I think. That's <laughs> like, you're not supposed to be out here. You're supposed to be in the room. <laughs> right? 
But what he basically was letting me know, he was like, he was, he was just letting me know, you do you, boo. And we got in the room and gave me a little bit of direction. And, and it was kind, kind of cool. And I left. And on the way out, you know, Sue, how sometimes you've had an audition where you're like, damn, I wish I had done that differently. Oh, God, absolutely. You know what I did? Hmm. I turned my ass right back around, knocked on that door. And I was like, hey, you guys, this is something I want to do differently. Wow, and that they, is bold. You know, you know what? F, F the dumb shit. Yeah. I'm not swearing. I'm not mm-hmm. swearing. Uh-huh. So, and it was kind of like, you know how you open a door into a space that people aren't expecting to see you and they're like, oh, 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 pull your stomach in. She's back. You know? <laughs> and, and he says, uh, what was it? We got to get back to this episode. Whatever. And uh, long story short, I did exactly what I wanted to do and I saw Alec Bird laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With doubled over in laughter and that's when I knew yes and I didn't know that he's like that he's like the comical genius yeah he's yeah. like comedy genius and 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 genius and I, I want to can we morph to this episode of CSI yeah please genius? yeah absolutely uh years ago years ago I was um at a fundraiser a friend of mine invited me to a fundraiser and I saw this woman across the room, Regina Taylor. Mm. You guys, now I I will realize today. I realize I I've never seen her work before, but I knew I. You know, when you see somebody, you're like, that's a good actress, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so, and I'd seen pictures of her in I'll Fly Away and blah 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 blah. I'd seen clips. I knew she was a prolific you know, playwright and my showrunner over at CSI, he's so gracefully, he was like, yeah, let me know. Who do you want? And I was like, yeah, I want to, I want Regina Taylor. I mm. want Regina Taylor. And I said, also, I saw a, an episode that, uh, that, uh, Anthony Zeiger wrote for Marg, her fourth episode, the fourth episode. And I was like, it's called Koala. And I was like, I want me a Koala. <laughs> and so he wrote this episode that's upcoming called the promise 217 airing on the 30th of of march and it's beautiful jason tracy our showrunner uh also allowed me to uh pick the guy that plays my ex-husband and and i got to pick rob morgan Uh. He, he is great bleep do you get Ma- rob morgan you know what i'm saying yeah he's yeah a, he's a he's a he's a beautiful actor he's just you know he and, what, was he in what was it um he played was it um hmm. he was in um the he's the, uh, the lake the lakers uh he was in the winning time the winning, winning time. time yeah right he was right in right. that thing with that girl he was in that thing with that girl he was in uh <laughs> exactly he was in for Unforgivable or something with Sandy Bullock. He mm-hmm. was in Don't Look Up. But when I fell in love with him was when he did, I think it's, it's Unforgivable or Forgivable. I don't know what the name of it. It's on uh, Netflix. And there was this moment that he does where he just looks over at the car that's got Sandy's sister in it. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, it's between the lines, it's acting that he does between the lines that's just gorgeous. It's just visual. And that my friend Dennis O'Hara told me that 
he, he he's the reason why I'm doing television today. Dennis O'Hare, brilliant actor. Oh, amazing. Amazing, right? I'll tell you how, how that happened. But And I saw that and I was like, I would love to work with that man. And uh, and I asked Jason and Jason was like, yeah, we'll see. Sure, sure. And uh, I always assumed that he was too busy and my hair, my person who does my hair was like, she calls him baby daddy because she, she <laughs> fell in love with him on, on winning time. And she was like, I have his number. I was like, call him, call him. <laughs> and I had Regina's number and I called her and everybody was like, yeah, let's do, do it. And so now, now you're, a, you're a series you regular can. on CSI Vegas. You play Max. Yeah. And you're, a the, cast, and you're a casting agent, too. Something like that. Yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're yeah. the head of the Las Vegas Crime Lab. And that, yeah. that is a, seems like a very complicated job with all mm. kinds of lingo and terminology and stuff, you know, that's, that's sometimes above my, my head. You and me both. <laughs> uh, you, I was wondering, have you done a bunch of research on this stuff? Are there consultants? How does all that work? There was definitely a consultant. There was definitely a consultant. He, his RTA, an RTA, he basically he was a in in he was an investigator. He was a criminalist for the sheriff's department. In uh, we had one who came, came along with the original show. His name is Daniel Holstein, mm. and this guy basically tells us what we're saying, how to do it, what we're doing wrong, what we should, you know, what's in our trunk. I had a, a woman who helped me originally with the original. And before we started season one, I worked with her for like a couple months. And she basically told me what's in my trunk. She told me, you know, how long I'm at a crime scene. She came to my house one time and I was like, okay, let's treat my, my house like a crime scene. Her name is Liz. Her name is Liz Devine. And I said, let's treat my house like a crime scene. She was like, okay. She got out her gloves. I was like, how would you cross the threshold? And she showed me how she put her knuckle on the door. She would step to the side, you know, because a lot of pe the people don't, because if you stepped over the threshold, the center of the threshold, that's where, that's where people, that's where a lot of evidence is, right? Yeah, right, mm -hmm. now, right. A lot of, yeah, exactly. DNA, a lot of, uh, you know, evidence. Now, a lot of this stuff we can't carry into the shooting, but we, as we keep it in our, we have to keep it in my mind's eye, you know what I mean? In the day, she told me also about looking up at the ceiling. And the greatest thing about this episode that we're, we're doing right now is it really tells the, 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 the science that's going on is we find this, um, barrel at the bottom of Lake Mead because of, um, Global warming, quite honestly. Mm. Um, the shallowing of Lake Mead is happening, and is uh, uh, crime uh, real day comes to the uh, uh, what do you call that snatched from the headlines comes to our our show where there is a barrel uh, with a body in it, and it turns out, and we reconstruct that body, and uh, and we find out more. And uh, Regina has a connection there, and we find out more. And it's it's a it's a standalone episode, and it's 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 just beautiful. It's just beautiful. So and when Anthony Zager wrote it. Yes, thank you. So when you're when you work on a show like this, and you work on yeah. crime shows, 
do you watch shows differently now because you're you're an actor on shows like this? Like, do you yeah. look for things that you may not look have looked for if you did, you know, prior to this? Yeah, I mean, particularly this. What I did when I first got this, uh, I got I was coming out of Pilates like any self-respecting actress in Los Angeles, and I got a call. <laughs> and they were like, "They're doing crime. They're doing CSI. They're rebooting CSI, and they want you to be the lead." And I was like, first of all, who's doing CSI? And they want me to do what?" And so I dove into after you know we came to came to an agreement. We I dove into my uh, calling conversations with Liz, and then I started reaching watching the old show. And what's amazing about it is the magic of it. Hmm. The magic of watching where the magic of the flow of attention, you know, mm-hmm. has people lean into something to tell the story of it. It's amazing how, like, I remember I had a teacher back in the day who told me that um, 90% of what the, 80% of what the human brain takes in is visual. And probably after Instagram and social media, that's probably increased, right? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Because Back in Shakespearean times, it was totally different. It was the word, right? Yeah. Because things were so far away, they had to find different ways to say it. They had to find different ways to say stuff, right? Yeah. But with now with it, so watching the power of attention, this the, the power of the space between the lines. Hmm. Like, did you guys you guys have seen the episode, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've not seen the episode that's coming up on the 30th. Got We've it. seen, okay. I, I'm, seen I'm watching the show. was the last one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm watching the show right now, but we, we're, we're hanging in the balance with the uh, silver ink killer. Oh, that's cool. I'm trying to think of, have you seen, the, like, there's an episode once where uh, Joshua, played by Matt Lauria, realizes, I think this was the last season, and the police putting together how the plane how this murder happened in a plane and they're looking at the plane flying right side up. Right. Yeah. And then he realizes, Oh my God. And he flips the plane around upside down. Mm. And that moment when watching something told just physically between the lines Mm -hmm. uh, is so powerful. You know? So when you ask, did I watch the stuff? Uh, Do I do? Yes. Because I see the power of visual star- storytelling, mm-hmm. but I also see like, wow, I feel for these people on, oh, also, you remember in the first CSI mm-hmm. when the brother was in the box with all the ants? Did y'all remember that? Did y'all remember, did y'all remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> During the mothership, the original CSI, there was an yep. actor, I can't remember the actor's name right now, I wish I had in front of me. He was in an episode shot by Quentin Tarantino. Wow. Shot and written by Quentin Tarantino. And he was in a box with a bunch of ants. Oh. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. Like legit ants? Legit ants. Oh, Oh my God. Legit ants. And you know what happened? He said they they would vacuum the ants out. And then if there were any missing, they would weigh them. And if any were missing, the the show would have to pay a penalty because anti-cruelty was on set. 
Oh. <laughs> and the yeah, every, the ant. no ants were injured in the making. <laughs> no ants that were injured in the harming <laughs> right. of this. And, and of course, they, were, they, they had yeah. a tr- they had a trust, and their people got money. That's oh God! So funny. And the ants had agents, I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but what 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 I I I what I really mm. wanted to know. Because yes. I love watching crime shows. They're my yep. favorite. And I like, like yeah. the first 48, like real stuff, Dateline. I'm addicted yeah. to shows like that. Dateline, the one at night with Josh Mankiewicz and stuff like that. Josh oh, Mankiewicz and um, uh, Keith, Keith Morrison. Yes, Keith Morrison's one, yeah. So, you know, the more I watch it, the more I'm kind of a couch detective, you know? Yeah. And I was wondering, because you do a lot of shows like this, when I ask mm-hmm. you, do you look at shows differently now? Mm-hmm. Like, like, uh, do you think that if you teamed up with somebody in a crime lab, just knowing what you know as an actress, do you think that you can help solve a crime? <laughs> no. No. Oh. No. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. No, I can't. Yeah, that seems the tough. Amount, the, so the amount of stuff that they know, you know, and we're really lucky because uh, Daniel Holstein told us that what we have in the lab and our lab is like, is like Nirvana for them, you know, but you know, we don't, we don't know how to, we don't know how to, I remember in Barry one time, <laughs> uh, there's that scene where I have a, a, a picture of what turned, what turned out to be Barry and the, the kids in the, the acting class is like, can't you just like, to make that more blah, 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 blah. I played a scene on crime scene investigation or something like that. And I'm like, that's not a thing. Generally, the stuff that we do, I don't think I could really help to. <laughs> Let me just tell the truth. I don't think I could really help. Well, you know, it's kind of like you're, tra- like, you know, when you get a waitress job, you know, you're trailing somebody, you know? And no. <laughs> and you realize, I, I, to, I, I, I can't, need- I can't. Exactly. Do I need to yeah. sit out of the place. <laughs> So where we are on the show, because we're yeah. watching it real time, yeah. you guys are chasing this guy named Ron. Yeah. Which is yeah, which honestly, right. I have a dog named Ron. So <laughs> when I found I out that. his name was Ron, I was like, you don't think of a serial killer being named Ron, but he's like super, super clever. It's good actor. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Why why do you think people are so fascinated by serial killers? I think it's the reason why people get fascinated by this show because they like to figure it out. I think so. I think people identify and try and go, well, why do you think? Well, I bet. Well, didn't uncle so-and-so do it? You know? Yeah. I think there's a sense of identification, not only say identification, because I don't think people think of themselves as serial killers, but I think also there's a fascination of what makes people tick. Also a genuine concern of like, what's next door? You know, what's in the house next door? Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, and, and yeah, and people, you know, you know, it's, it's kind of like a joke, but people always say, what was he like? And I was like, oh, he was quiet. He always seemed like a nice guy. You know, mm-hmm. it is the person sometimes that you would maybe least Never expect to, to go on this, you know, murder spree. So give us a, give us a little preview of the show coming up on the, on the 30th. It's, it's, I will, I will tell you, it's, 
it's an amazing episode. Um, very, very proud to to have a hand in it. And um, like I said, it, it we get to feature uh, Regina Taylor and and Rob Morgan, very gifted actors. And we get to see another side of Maxine who is so impacted by the story of someone who could be her mom, Hmm. you know, and someone who is, um, I don't give away too much. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's a standalone episode as I, as I've said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, we get to, we get to take a, uh, an exhale after the silver ink. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> which is, which I'm glad to hear because it was a, it was really interesting and fabulous filming that. Um, but you get to see uh, some really great artists at work. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, uh, looking forward to that episode, Thank uh, you. which Thank is you. March the 30th. It is really great to meet you. Thank you so much, Dave. And um, it, I hope you catch Ron. <laughs> <laughs> I say no more. I hope I didn't give away too much. No, no, you're good. No. You're good. All right. Okay. If not, <laughs> mute me. Mute me on the thing. Yes. <laughs> um, and we want to let everybody know to watch CSI Vegas on CBS. It's a great series. And uh, you're great in it. Thank and you. It's so nice of you to do this, Paula. We really, really appreciate it. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks, even Sue. There you have it. She was wonderful. What yeah. a nice person. Nice yeah, lady. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just love everything that she that she does. And I, I, we just mentioned a minute ago. I just love that the serial killer's name is Ron. Right. Because Ron is such a like my dog is named Ron. Right. Uh, which is weird. And then every time they say they're chasing Ron, I'm like, <laughs> you don't think of a serial killer with that name. Right. And you know, someone probably calls him Ronnie. <laughs> Ronnie. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Very, very fun show. Um, so uh, listen, everybody, don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop podcast on Apple, Spotify. You can also catch it on SteveMason.com. Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. We always appreciate that. Sue, thank you very much. And we will see everybody next time on the Culture Pop podcast. Mm-hmm.